Hello dear friends and welcome to our podcast dedicated to sight reading through the lens of the historically informed performance practice. My name is Darina Bodina. And I'm Sebastian Mitru. We have a guest today. Could you please introduce yourself? I'm Francesco Spendolini. I'm a clarinet, historical clarinet player. Thanks for inviting me this evening, afternoon, what will be depends on my, when you will listen to this podcast. And well, I'm a professional historical clarinet player and this is what I try to do in my life, day by day. You're a cool. wonderful clarinet player, I must say. <laughs> yes. Um, so today, what are we going to read today? A Schubert song. <laughs> I don't know the name yes, of it, though. Yes, it, it was the kind of the last-minute decision, because it is a podcast about sight reading. Anyways, um, yes, um, and Sebastian proposed to, suggested to do some Mozart. Um, I did, but it didn't really, we didn't try yeah, it. Yeah, this trio with viola yes. and clarinetto, but yeah, I think Kegelstadt. it was... Yes, the Kegelstadt trio is normally a little bit for alto and clarinet, and for flute is a bit... Complicated yeah. to be there. It is a bit tricky part. to play yeah. the viola part, and yeah, because there is not so much of a melodic movement. And so we decided to change. And actually, mm, I heard this song for the first time when I was in Norway. And mm, yeah, maybe you know your colleague um, Lorenzo Coppola. And I fell in love with this song, actually. So I always wanted to try, and I maybe even was thinking to do an arrangement for flute and voice but now my dream came true and we are playing it with a almost original setting with a clarinetto and I am playing instead of the soprano uh, I'm playing the soprano line and the song is called um, Der Hirt auf dem Felsen which is we can translate like um, the shepherd on the rocks what, why? What do we know about this piece? Like, why is there a clarinet part actually? Well, it's kind of in. Well, uh, I I don't know really what, <laughs> what is going on. <laughs> well, I I I have to admit that okay for me it was not really sight reading because it's part of our repertoire, so we have to know this piece, and uh, and I played years ago, and sometimes also here in the school it happens that they are asking for this piece, and it's very interesting then. The composition, because basically we have a function of echo, or in the first time we are almost the, like in the arias in the classical classical era, and also with Schubert later, we are kind of mood that is inside the character, and this is the interesting part of this piece, and we play a lot of sounds from 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 the mountains, echoes, and colors, and it's very interesting this version with the flute when we play today for the first time because it's nice that the flute has to really imitate the human voice and taking the part of the human voice. And of this, this area we have kind of um, version also with men singing this part. And the character is supposed to be a man, but no, normally it's a soprano singing this part. And it's kind of interesting how this, this piece is flexible and gives the, the, the possibilities to others to play in another formation too. And this is not the only piece that Schubert wrote in this, in this, for this kind of setting. There's another less known uh, piece for clarinet voice, and it's not clear which voice. It could be tenor, it could be soprano at the same time, and uh, an orchestra or accompaniment. So it's not new for, for him, but it's nice, this kind of little colors, and it's, it's very evocative, like 
you will you will listen is kind of uh, answer uh, question answer echo when he's speaking to to the to the mountains you get this echo from far away and it's interesting with the flute the way that you can find that color and try to imitate the same color being two winds instruments and being for the first time on the same level it's not like the voice with words that takes the first the first position and then the clarinet here was like a real trio. And also the atmosphere that created the fortepiano is beautiful. This kind of pedal where everything is there. We have this triole. And at the same time, they are not so regular. They're kind of waving like wind, wind, wind instruments. So it's worked very well. And so what is the text about? Well, he's basically thinking about the uh, love of his life, waiting far away because the shepherd was all the time uh, during the winter, uh, far away, waiting for, uh, following the, uh, the ships of what, what, what they are looking for, depends from the kind of shepherd at the time. And, and then there's the hope that springs will come, and springs is in a kind of way, it's, it's a kind of love and desire, and desire of love, and being far away, alone, then it's beautiful how you find your way as some kind of uh, consolation, listening your your voice, uh, your same voice uh, reflected by mountains or from the nature. It's, it's like if it's looking for some some kind of uh, comfort or some kind of help from the nature that is around him. And then at the same time, there's this hope and this joy at the end. Uh, of this piece and the character is kind of, all this kind of little cadenza moment where he's thinking about himself, moment where they are expressing himself, moment where he's screaming, moment where he's in love, or moment where he's sad, everything in few, few pages. It's just like little opera, little momentum in just few minutes. Actually, the length of it was quite interesting. I mean, it's quite long for a Schubert song, I would say. Yeah. Or It reminded me a lot of melodramas. If, if even if it's sung, it's like it's very, I don't know. It has this this character almost. Of yeah, there's there are all the elements. There's a kind of uh, suffering, yeah. and there's uh, hope. There's love. There's nature, and and the beautiful things that everything is created and based on one character, but character becomes basically free. Is love that is materialized in the echoes, the nature and the shepherd at the same time. That is a beautiful part of this piece. And you have always, so when you play that as a musician, as a musician, pardon, as a, no, it's also, okay, also singers are musician. <laughs> I say that, Hot I say take. that. <laughs> <laughs> you can cut it, but yeah. <laughs> but in the way that for players, wind players in particular, uh, the imitation of the human voice and the text is imp super important. And in this in in this piece, it's fundamental it's fundamental to learn and to understand which is the line of long notes, which is the phrasing, which is the freedom that you have in this phrasing. Anything is exactly like like it's written. You have this kind of arch or this kind of linea that you can follow, but then you have to put your text. And we have no words, so we have to find a different way of doing that. And with the flute was nicer because we were both in the same situation. Normally singers, they are more about the passage or uh, the, the words and be clear. In this case, we have no words. We have just to transmit what is the meaning without words. It's a different level. And we have to find rubato, we have to find colors, we have to find different sounds. 
And that's what I love about historical instruments, that somehow, in comparison with moderns and the culture that we have on modern instruments, you can create different sounds and there's not one beautiful sound. There's a beautiful sound, there's an ugly one, there's expression of your face that you cannot show when you are in a recording or when you're in a CD, but you have to express with sounds. And an actor cannot have one voice, otherwise it would be mm. like the one that is announcing train, often in delay, speaking about Italian terms. <laughs> this is the idea. When did you start playing historical instruments? Oop. Uh, well, 2005, I suppose. Yeah, I, I was I was not so young. I have to I have to admit, but it was a kind of it was uh, first sight love. It was like a, I was invited to play a requiem at the time, and and I, I the first time that I bought a, a recording on historical 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 <laughs> instruments. Uh, was a recording, and I remember the, the the recording because it was the one made by Jordi Saval, and, and now you're playing with him. And we are going to record <laughs> the same the same piece. And last the Mozart Requiem, you mean? Yeah, yes. we will do that. And we played for the first time that uh, last month, and for me it was amazing. You are, I, I'm in, I'm in, I live in the city that I, I that I bought for the first time. It was a huge experience, and I have I'm super lucky. I have. I had a lot of projects with them, colleagues are amazing, and the energy of the group is is really an unicum. We finished now all the Ninth Symphony by Beethoven, we record all the pieces. We did in few months Schubert, Eighth and Ninth, we did uh, Creation, the Schopfung by Haydn, and everything is there and is coming month by month uh, out. And the projects are going on. He's at 80 years young guy, yeah, 80 years old, young conductor with the enthusiasm of a kid and the energy of a Taurus is, is incredible. So we are going back to your personal experience with historical instruments. Um, yeah, no, because the thing that we're talking about and you kindly agree to highlight this subject because maybe for some people it can be helpful that um, I discovered and we started talking about some special um, abilities of human um, brain and then I discovered that actually for you dealing with words and letters and texts, it's actually maybe might be on a more difficult side than dealing with with a musical score. How did it appear to you? When did you realize that? Well, I'm, I'm from the 80s, so uh, I'm originally 1980, <laughs> the first generation, before being millennial, I'm anti-millennial. <laughs> the, the idea that at the time when I was in school, I had problems in reading and problems in writing, not that I was not able, I was not able of writing, but the, the graphia was horrible, <laughs> and I thought that it was, and I was studying, I was not an idiot, well, well it depends from my point of view, but yeah, I was spending time in doing that. And it was very difficult for me reading, uh, like, a, I would say, ad alta voce, I would say in Italian. And okay. for me it was a nightmare. Yeah, ad alta voce means speak, reading a book for others somehow. And I remember my first teacher that was obliging me to record myself, uh, reading, 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 and I was... I was traumatized. I was reasoning what I was reading. It was horrible. I was not able to, to do that. And I got a little bit traumatized from that point of view. And then with the years, I discovered that that was dyslexia. Uh, dyslexia is kind of 
little things that your brain is is doing <laughs> that uh, it's a, a very difficult way of express yourself or um, getting the data that you read or you want to write in in a properly way outside you understand everything but you have some block or something is not the right part of your brain that is working on that way then you have different level of that i'm not uh, terrible cases i can i can read but i have to find a different way of doing things so about reading uh, books or stories or whenever to speak or read something i was i had to think to act so interpretation making final interpretation find a way to to make it uh, creative or interesting for myself somehow and i have all the problems that for sure you have in writing graphia is horrible i mix b with d and p with b kind of i have to write capital letters as a little bit i feel dumb but i know that there's a process when i write of notes very fast for me it's like reading a doctor recipe from you know mm-hmm. that you have to try to understand and but in some somehow was a different way i have to manage it and i discovered for example that when i was at the time when we were in the church and we were young and i was kind of catholic i was obliged to be catholic and in the church we were reading like a karaoke with the songs and when i was singing i didn't have any problem in reading because my brain was not focused on reading was doing something else and then with the time i uh, discovered that with music was the same process my brain was completely detached from the reading stuff using eyes for tra- tra- uh, transforming something and transform something in a different stuff and was easier and for music was easier and was somehow beautiful and at the same time in the last year i understood that my way of playing for example is very connected with the language expression so sometimes when i'm doing lessons or i'm playing and thinking oh no i have to say these things to my students or to myself or to my colleagues suddenly my my fingers and my brain is focused on the stuff and i can get really easily distracted Uh, in passages that they know very well so i it's like that people that are very fast reflexing doing calculation because they use that part of of the brain for doing calculation that normally is dedicated to uh, physical reflexes so if a ball is following i take it very fast i don't realize that i'm doing that there's kind of this little genius that i can do that with calculation and for me it's happening in the language side if i is if i play is connected to that kind of brain of the uh, that part of the brain and this word communication it's kind of straight language and it's a very nice things also dyslexia helped me on this point of view because oblige you to to do the same things that the artists are doing but in a different way so you find a different way of finding a solution if the artists are faster in that things you can you have to find a different way to get the, the, the things and music helped me a lot when i write when i write poetry or i write text or i improvise text using rima or this kind of um, musical part of the language helped me a lot for finding language uh, words for finding a way of express myself it's kind of everything is super connected the problem that i can still have 
I, I have really serious problems sometimes to reading stuff in a normal way. I need more time of the others about letters, text, and stuff like that. So, uh, sorry. Wow. Thank you very much for sharing your story, maybe for people who have similar um, problems or issues. Yeah, they can be inspired by your example for sure there's a very bad uh, no. very bad attitude that we have that people that is often I dyslexia mean in the society there's maybe sometimes people don't realize and they put pressure on children when you're at the time yes but in the 80s because they were not speaking about the things now everything every, every kind of little problems uh, there's someone that studied that and 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 as knows how to manage at the time it was like you cannot read or you cannot write. But at the same time, you can write in the way that you write things, text, that they can get prizes or can get kind of things that are working. But the way that you're writing the graphia or yeah, things that you put things upside down, or sometimes also when you work or when you speak, it happens, stuff mm -hmm. like that. And the horrible things that you open always automatically the book from the back. And it's not very nice when you are reading some kind of, you know, thriller stuff or, mm. or this kind of stuff. You know, already the end is not nice. You see the killer. <laughs> yes. So actually, uh, going back to the song that we did, um, it's also written um, based on poetry or on uh, Müller's uh, poetry that uh, that is called the Berghirt. So the same, the shepherd in the mountains, and what we could say about the form. The form is very interesting, isn't mm -hmm. it? So we have like a little introduction. Yes. yes, a small introduction. And then what is it, Andantino? Yes. I think I, it's super interesting because also the, f the form is, there's always different types of accompaniment that he's using. So the first part, it's only triplets, like the whole time. Um, for the piano, I mean. And then we get like a stentian, this like very, these... How do I explain that? I, I, I just bim, immediately bim, called it bim, Ave Maria. Bim, bim, <laughs> I guess bim, that's the bim. famous yes, accompaniment. But, but actually, I think it's closer to the song in, in uh, Stentchen, which is this, you know, this uh, Gretchen Amsch? Gretchen when she's at the spinning wheel or whatever. Um, and he uses the same accompaniment. Bum, bim, 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 bim. Um, yes, anyways. And then at the end, it's like a polka or something. Like <laughs> it's totally. Uh, well, he's uh, already enjoying the party. That yeah, exactly. When we go back, it's totally party it's at the nice end. How the accompaniment is changing with the you know, with the feelings of the yeah. uh, and it's clear. It's not something only in the harmonies, but yes. the rhythmical parts get and all these yodel ideas that are inside and all these kind of bells affect in the beginning, in the middle. Uh, and there are things that when I played them was young on the modern instruments, it's not the same color. Mm. There's this woodish color which yeah. is more natural than this kind of uh, ebony and, and, and silver and a lot of key. It's, I think it's created by your mouth and your, your feelings is not made. The sound is, comes for you, not from the instrument. And this is what I love about historical instruments. And it, it really exploits the registers. Like the very clear registers of the clarinet, I think, are quite... Is using, all, using all, yeah. all the, all the uh, registers that were common in, in, in that period. We are around 1828, I suppose, something like that. And it's clear the instruments that they have has not some, so many keys, could not really play 
not not all, all all the tonalities. So the tonalities is very comfortable. For example, for the clarinet, a little bit less for the flute because there's a lot of oh my god, yeah, flight <laughs> going on. But and it but you was an honest reading from my side because Same. I didn't play this piece. <laughs> and yes, it was very special because of course the more flats you have on the simple system traverso with a lot of keys, the more complicated uh, problems you get. <laughs> And uh, yes, so it was very interesting to uh, explore these keys. And but it was very interesting at the end of this allegretto, at the end of the piece, that uh, the clarinet part uh, gets really intense and virtuoso, and you're finishing in fire. <laughs> yeah, this kind of fireworks. Um, at the end, uh, this kind of the, the idea is all the pieces are huge crescendo.
is a huge crescendo about the feelings of this, this shepherd that is really waiting for this moment. Desiring is creating tension, is creating some relaxation during the, the long phrases, also the long cadenzas. And it's beautiful the balance that there is from instrumental part and voice in the scalp flute part. You have huge solos, very long and long phrases. And also if it's repeating almost the same theme two times in the beginning, once for the clarinet, one for the, for the flute or the voice and, uh, and the clarinet. It's, it's beautiful how he finds a different way every time to presenting the, the same idea. And then suddenly it changed, then it turned tempo, and then you get the tempo, and then it got faster, and then you got the finale. It's kind of, what do you want more? Go home. Nothing else. We go home. Thank you very much, Francesco, thank for you. this amazing conversation. <laughs> and yeah, thank you. Thanks a lot. See you next See time. You. <laughs> Bye.